Hey everybody, welcome to Go Bold. This episode is part of our Bleeding Edge series where we discuss new products, platforms, concepts, technologies, and groundbreaking events. On Saturday, September 3, 2022, NASA's Space Launch System rocket, known as the SLS, and the Orion spacecraft, which sits atop of the SLS, are scheduled to launch for the first time as part of the Artemis 1 mission to the moon. This will be the second launch attempt for Artemis 1. The uncrewed test flight will mark the beginning of a new era of lunar exploration as Orion will mark a return to the moon after almost 50 years. Following a successful Artemis 1 mission, an astronaut from the Canadian Space Agency will form part of the crew of the Artemis 2 flight, which will be the first crewed mission to the moon since Apollo 17 in 1972. That means that Canada will be the second nation in the history of humanity to have someone go to the moon, and that is amazingly exciting. To mark the upcoming Artemis 1 space mission, we are joined today by one of Canada's newest astronauts to discuss the Artemis program and some of the opportunities ahead in the space domain. So welcome to Go Bold, and let's roll the music. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Go Bold. I'm your host, Jody Atariwala, and today we are joined by astronaut Joshua Kutrick of the Canadian Space Agency. Prior to becoming an astronaut, Josh was a fighter pilot and test pilot with the Royal Canadian Air Force. Uh, so Josh, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Hey, thank you. It's it's great to have you back. And I can tell you, Josh, that we've had a lot of great feedback from our earlier chat, which is episode three for those listeners who haven't had the opportunity to hear it yet. So I recommend perhaps listening to that before getting into this episode. But uh, but either way, Josh, you're a wonderful guest and, and I'm totally looking forward to discussing the latest. Yeah, me too. And I, I remember that that first one. So thanks awesome. for that one. And, and thanks for having me back on. Uh, hey, it's a great pleasure. Uh, so rocket science, <laughs> it is rocket science. It, there are so many interesting things happening with the Canadian Space Agency, with NASA. Um, the Artemis One mission was scrubbed on the weekend and it's going to be going up hopefully on Saturday. So that'll be early September. So perhaps we could just pick up from where we left off. What have you been up to lately? Uh, so try to answer that as quickly as I can. I'm, I'm really busy. I have a an awesome job. I feel just over the moon, lucky and privileged to have it. Uh, every day is a little bit different, but I get to do what I, what I really love to do, what I've always loved doing, and that is work in high technology, high risk, high consequence environments, um, technical environments, doing technical operational things. And I get to work as part, one little piece in this great big adventure called space exploration. So it's it's just a wonderful thing. You know, what do I do on a day-to-day -day basis since maybe we, we last spoke? It kind of falls into two categories, I think. Uh, I train a, a lot. Astronauts for a, a long duration mission might train for about seven or eight years in total. And we don't do it all back to back, but that's about how much training there is. So even for, for where someone like I am in my career, we're, we're always doing training events, upgrading our skills, going on to the next advancement or level. 
Um, and then the second category is that we work technical jobs here at Johnson Space Center. So there's a host of operational jobs related to the day-to-day -day runnings of, of the International Space Station, related to you know planning, designing EVAs, for example, testing out new equipment that's going into space, uh, running simulators, being part of the mission control teams that are simulating new vehicles and, and problem situations and all of that. So there's a, a lot of jobs, very technical in nature, that are done just by astronauts here on the ground at, at Johnson. And uh, as a partner astronaut, I, I get to do a lot of those. I, I would say specifically um, right now, I, I work quite a bit with the Boeing program and, and with the initial efforts here to get Starliners, uh, the Starliner vehicle through its first crewed flight, hopefully early next year. Um, I play a, a big role in mission control and in some of the sims that go on uh, on pretty much a weekly basis getting ready for that mission. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, because last time we had spoken, I think you were supporting some of the, uh, through I think the mission control, you were supporting some of the missions for the crewed flights in the SpaceX capsules. Crew, crew Dragon, yeah, you're right. I, and I did that for a number of years. Um, I was actually the the Capcom for the first crewed flight of Dragon uh, to the International Space Station and, and some of that. So yeah, I've, I've been very lucky. I've got to work with different vehicles and different teams. Um, and I've got to see a lot of, you know, this is the important thing. I've got to see a lot of progress happen. I mean, the rate of progress is something worth focusing on or realizing. It's just a couple of years ago, there were no uh, vehicles launching from the United States to low Earth orbit. We now have SpaceX launching regularly to the International Space Station. Boeing's flown uncrewed uh, recently. We're looking to put crew on it here soon. Uh, and of course, we have the moon rocket on the pad uh, as we speak in Florida. So things are changing very fast and it's a, it's a very dynamic, exciting environment to work in. Uh, exciting is is an understatement. You know, I, I woke up early to watch the launch, which unfortunately didn't go. But one of the interesting things that, that I've learned in doing research about the Artemis mission is that, or I guess the Artemis program, I should say, is that they're really accelerating the testing through these missions. Because from what I've researched and I understand, the Apollo missions took more missions to validate systems. Whereas I think the Artemis program is trying to accelerate that, which I find fascinating. Yeah, the, the, the plans are ambitious. There's no doubt about that. So uh, roughly speaking, there's only one uncrewed test flight, Artemis 1. And after that, we're kind of aiming to jump right into it, putting crew on Artemis 2, three American astronauts, one Canadian astronaut, which is pretty darn exciting to think that there'll be a Canadian on the first trip back to the moon. That's a big mission, Artemis II. It's going to be the farthest and fastest any uh, any crew, any human being actually has ever gone in history. Uh, there'll be a Canadian on it. It'll be the first time that any humans have gone back to the moon since the Apollo program and the, that last mission in 1972. So it's wonderful uh, that we have a Canadian on it. To your question, though, yeah, it, it's an ambitious plan. Artemis I, uncrewed test flight. Artemis II, jumping right into it with crew. Artemis III is the landing. And that's really around the corner in terms of the timelines that we speak of with space exploration here. It's on the books right now for 2025 um, or potentially 2026, but that's only that third Artemis mission. It's remarkable to think about on that one, uh, we're talking about launching the SLS and Orion to lunar orbit, um, docking it to the lander, which will be a, a SpaceX human landing system, basically the Starship as you probably know it, and then watching that monster of technology descend uh, all the way to the moon's surface and, and have a couple astronauts get out of it. Uh, something that's, that's, like I say, around the corner gonna happen this decade. 
just can't wait to see it. It's awesome. Yeah, it, absolutely. So I don't want to blow the CSA's thunder, and I don't think I will. <laughs> but I feel very proud to know that a Canadian will be on Artemis too, and um, just nationalistic pride. Like how awesome to know that a Canadian will be the second nation ever to go, you know, around the moon and 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 back. And um, I got asked the question: When will that announcement be made as to who the astronaut is, or has it been made? And I have and I missed it. No, no, it it hasn't been made. Um, the the crew for Artemis two on on this side of the border with NASA or at the Canadian Space Agency side uh, has not been announced. And I. I don't know. I, you know, I, I really don't. But I would suspect that it'll it'll be announced shortly after uh, the safe return of Artemis One, and that that will be kind of the timeline where we'll have to announce the crew and get that crew training in order to make an Artemis Two launch in 2024 possible. So uh, it's coming. It's coming quick. And, and like I said, pro- probably right after Artemis One lands would be my guess. Right on. Well, you know, I'm looking forward to, to that announcement. I think whoever it is will be very lucky. But I think all of you in the astronaut corps are very lucky because you will certainly get an opportunity to go into space at some point in time. And as you say, things are kind of happening quite quickly as we move forward. Um, yeah. uh, my understanding is that there's currently four astronauts in the Canadian uh, Space Agency, uh, active astronauts. Is that correct? Yeah, that, that's correct. Yeah, there's uh, David Saint-Jacques, who was the last last astronaut to return, uh, Jeremy Hansen, and then Jenny uh, and myself were, were kind of still the new ones. We were hired in 2017, but but you're right, four current Canadian astronauts. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. You guys are amazing ambassadors for the country. Uh, and, you know, like space exploration is just going to become more and more important as we move forward. And as I research the domain, you know, I realize how much Canadian technology and Canadian know-how there is in space exploration uh, and and space know-how. Um, there's fantastic companies, you know, MDA is a big one that people talk about, IMP Aerospace, mm-hmm. they've got wiring bundles on the James Webb Telescope. I think it's yeah. awesome, awesome. You know, and yeah, those are I just agree. two examples. Yeah, yeah, no, it is awesome. Um, and, and people lose sight of that, but that that's really... Uh, is something that we like to emphasize because that that's fundamentally why we do this in the first place, right? Why we explore space. I mean, it is it is cool to go to space, um, and there's also a lot of benefit to be taken from from what we get in terms of inspiring and motivating a, a follow-on generation of young Canadians. But a big part of the reason why we do it is because we take along Canadian industry, Canadian academics, Canadian science, technology sectors, innovative sectors. Uh, with us. And we use space and, and space missions as sort of a catalyst or as a means by which we develop and, and take the next big steps forward um, with, like I say, Canadian industry, science and technology. Um, that's something that's always been true. It was true of, with when, when we built Canadarm1 on the shuttle, uh, when we built the International Space Station with Canadarm2. And it's certainly very, very true of, of what we're trying to do right now with helping NASA to construct the Gateway uh, Space Station and with our participation in the Artemis mission. So it, it is, you know, it's big. And I, I like one thing I like to, you mentioned a couple companies, but there's just so, so many, and I'm always learning about them. We have right here in Houston, a company uh, called Adaster, which is building a an ion engine uh, for deep space propulsion. And it has a lot of promise, this sort of electronic uh, rocket propulsion means uh, someday, probably soon, are going to take Mars trips, for example, and 
and cut them down to maybe half the time that we currently think of them as being. Uh, but anyway, a major component in that engine, and, and it's about a mile from where I'm sitting right now running, uh, is produced by a Canadian company in Halifax. So uh, just just one example, but but we really are everywhere. And uh, for a small country, that that's something that we should be proud of. Oh, I completely agree. Until you start looking into this domain, you don't really realize how many companies and, and of course, the people behind the companies that are involved. It, it is really impressive. Hey, everyone. Here is a quick note about our sponsor, Cubic Mission and Performance Solutions. Cubic is a company that trains customers worldwide to improve their effectiveness and operational readiness. Cubic is reshaping all domain operations through technology-driven, market-leading solutions to C5ISR and training customers worldwide. Cubic's multi-domain training solutions are joined by Spear, the next generation of multi-domain training, which is helping operators spend more time reviewing why things happened instead of just what happened. Cubic supports our goal in sharing stories from senior leaders and warfighters from around the world, and in doing so, we are partnered in preserving history with first-hand accounts. We are proud to have Cubic as a teammate for this podcast. To learn more about them and their amazing capabilities, please visit them at cubic.com. Now, let's rejoin our show. Um, so, so let's break down some of those things, if you don't mind, Josh, because there's, um, there's Canadian participation in the Artemis program. Um, there's Canadian participation, obviously, in the, in the Lunar Gateway. Um, mm-hmm. There's the, I believe that there's uh, the potential for a Canadian lunar rover. And mm-hmm. uh, of course, as part of the Lunar Gateway, I think there's going to be the newest iteration of the Canada Arm, which will be Canada yeah. Arm 3. Correct. All, yeah. All fascinating things. So uh, I don't know which one you want to take in whatever order, but it'd be. Yeah. Be- let, let me, uh, let me run with that one a little bit. So, so they're okay. all, they are all related, um, but also distinct and, and, and really important in their own ways. Um, but ever, under the overarching umbrella is, you know, this effort by NASA to return humans to the moon, uh, it with international partners. And it's very different from the Apollo effort. Uh, This isn't an effort to go there and come back. It's an effort to go there and have sustained permanent human exploration and science being done on the surface, uh, kind of in the way that we do it in low Earth orbit on the International Space Station right now. It's a very international effort, bringing kind of a bunch of international partners along with it. Um, And it has the ultimate goal of not not just staying on the moon, but but doing this in order to get to Mars in 2030s. I mean, that's that's really the the reason and the most fundamental reason for for all of this moon activity that we're talking about in the 2020s. Uh, with that said, yeah, let's let jump into some of some of the the components of this. So, uh, Gateway is probably worth talking about first. Gateway is the program; it's the name of the space station being designed uh, to orbit the moon. And and you want to think about this as kind of a a lifeboat or a, a base camp, maybe a jumping off point. So we have this permanent facility in lunar orbit, and we're able to send crews there. They're able to use this as a base to get to and from the surface of the moon, to transfer between vehicles, the the human lander system, and Orion, for example, to do science in the lunar environment, to control rovers on the surface from the space station, 
whole host of applications. Um, this is not, you know, Gateway is not a, a future idea. It's being built right now. The first elements are supposed to launch here in a couple of years. Uh, and Canada's contribution, of course, is the next generation AI-driven robotic system, um, which will help it to assemble this station and then is going to help to run it. Uh, Gateway is, is really different than the International Space Station. It's going to be 400,000 kilometers away, 1,000 times farther than the ISS. Uh, it's going to be an uninhabited for, for long periods of time. And so this system that is being developed, designed right now in Canada by companies like MDA, uh, has to really be able to take care of itself. It's a, it's a completely new generation of technology uh, with some amazing capabilities. So, so that's Gateway. That's our Canadian contribution to it. Because of that contribution, um, we've, we're, we're, we have the opportunity to participate in some other elements of this lunar program, including some of the things you mentioned, which were uh, the Artemis missions and, and rovers, and, and we can get into that. So, so that's, uh, to me, that's kind of the pillar, that the Gateway Project and our Canadarm3, we can call it, which is the contribution to that, uh, really using Canadian innovation to, to help build this, this space camp. Um, Maybe I'll go right into the sort of what I see as a second component, which is the Artemis Artemis missions themselves. Before you do, uh, Josh, if you don't yeah. mind, it, can we just pull on that AI string a little bit, just to mm -hmm. just to kind of get an understanding of how AI will play a role in that aspect of Gateway? Yeah, so I, I think there's a, a host of applications being considered uh, in terms of having an, a system that is able to look after itself, a system that's able to assess the dangers of the environment it's in from a radiation perspective, from, from a micrometeorite perspective, make decisions by itself, um, a, a system that's potentially able to analyze science, able to analyze uh, medical results from, from crews, for example, by itself, that's able to analyze images by itself, uh, to name some examples. But the whole idea is that this is going to be, by necessity, very different than the International Space Station um, because we, can, we aren't going to be able to control it like we control the ISS. It's, it's too far away and it's not going to have permanent human presence. In fact, there's some scenarios that are, that are on the whiteboards right now which see Gateway having nobody on board uh, for periods of 10 to 11 months at a time. Wow. And so, so you, you, know, you want to dive in on that a little bit more. You want to think about a, a big arm operating by itself on the outside of the station. Uh, but you also want to think about a, a small arm, believe it or not, uh, working by itself on the inside of stations. So, so moving around, programming, doing different maintenance activities kind of all on its own, which is uh, starting to sound a bit science fiction, but kind of, kind of neat. That's where we are. <laughs> I was going to say R2-D2 or C-3PO coming to life in a way. You know, but, uh, we'll call it HAL. HAL, HAL exactly, HAL, for sure. Um, and so the external arm and the internal arm, will they both be Canadian design built? Correct, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's an entirely Canadian project. Uh, design built by Canada, and you know NASA is is very very trusting of our of our history, I guess here, uh, and and they're they're very much in the stance of sort of asking us uh, to go out and find these solutions. Um, they they've told us what what they need, which is this system, um, but the nuts and bolts of how to build it and and how to design and innovate the new technologies that are required, um, that's being left to Canadian innovators inside Canada. Beautiful. And just so I understand correctly, so there's an external arm, internal arm. Will they both be called Canada Arm 3? Correct. Yeah, this is all, this entire system is referred to as Canada Arm 3. 
Gotcha. Okay. Awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, how about the next, the next, uh, uh yeah. So, if, you know, if that's, that's where it starts this orbiting laboratory. The second component uh, that you'll hear in the news or whatever lots or this weekend with Artemis one is, is Artemis. And so, um, Artemis refers to the actual missions, the actual hardware, the rockets and the vehicles that are going to take humans to this the lunar gateway in the surface and back. Mm -hmm. um, and it, may, it might be worth mentioning also the Artemis Accord. So uh, another reason, like we were talking about earlier, that Artemis and Gateway are different than the Apollo programs is that this is really um, us seeing the U.S. and NASA in a leadership role. Yes, they're going back to the moon, uh, but differently than Apollo, they're doing it with anyone who wants to come along. They're very open. They're looking for partners. And Canada was, in fact, the first partner to, to join. So the Artemis Accords uh, currently has, I think, over 20 signatories. Canada is one. Um, but it's a top-level understanding, I would I would say, or, or um, but that basically reflects the the desire to go to the moon in a permanent way, but with good intentions. So um, this is sort of uh, seen as an affront to more um, disruptive or, or even uh, non-peaceful uses of space. The Artemis Accord spells out a desire to go to the moon together um, for the benefit of humankind, for the benefit of doing science, for the benefit of learning. Uh, and from there, different countries, after signing on to that as a general intent, have gone out and and formulated their own plans. Um, so the Artemis missions themselves, though, yeah, refer to the actual launches, Artemis 1 being the uncrewed flight uh, that hopefully we'll see this weekend, and then Artemis 2, 3, and, and onwards getting more and more complex. So, um, you know, Canada is a player. We've signed on to the Artemis Accords, and in terms of the actual missions, uh, because of our contributions so far through Canada 3 and, and a few other things, uh, we know that we will have flights, a seat, as it would be, on two of the Artemis missions. One of them will be on Artemis II, the first crewed flight, uh, and our second, the second seat that we have so far uh, will be on a subsequent Artemis, probably around the end of the decade or the early 2030s. We haven't, haven't nailed that down, but um, we, we know we get a second one. Awesome. And so those Artemis missions will be what will be helping to build the gateway. So there's no other rocket that can get the um, infrastructure, so to speak, there. Is, is that correct? Uh, mostly I correct. I think so. The, the Artemis missions, a firm, they have two main goals to put people on the surface and to build gateway. And those two things kind of happen uh, simultaneously through the, the mission infrastructures as they're set up right now. So mm -hmm. yes, Canada will definitely be flying to gateway and will be playing a leading role, uh, likely with a Canadian astronaut in actually helping to assemble gateway. Um, so, so yeah, that, that's all happening. I, I don't know that if I would say that I think it's safe to say right now, uh, SLS is the prime means of, of transportation to get infrastructure hardware out to, to the lunar environment. Um, it's the only way to get crew out there right now, and that, that's pretty key to recognize. Um, but there are other rockets being developed and designed to do this, and, and some that are actually flying right now. So Falcon Heavy is one uh, that we envision some of this infrastructure launching on. And then, of course, Starship, which is under development and uh, potentially going to fly orbitally for the first time this year is another one. Um, so there are other rockets coming along uh, to help us do that. And, and that, by the way, is, is all a, another great success point from, from this whole effort because that's, that's the US's effort to commercialize um, the lunar environment eventually and to, to get companies uh, able to do this so it's not just NASA. Beautiful. Um, let's talk about the lunar rover, because I think that's kind of exciting. 
Yeah. So, of course, you know, we've talked about the big things, the rocket, the vehicle, the, the space station we're building, the robotic arm to build it. Those are, are huge components. Of course, um, to get humans on the, the moon in the next couple of years and, and working, living there sustainably is going to take a lot, lot more. And so we do have within Canada a lot of other efforts um, underway to to, to help us get there. And, and same here at NASA, there's all kinds of programs underway to, to encourage commercial companies to go out and develop technologies that are gonna help us do this. Um, speaking on the Canadian side with the Canadian Space Agency, um, a number of years ago, 2019, we started the LEAP program, which is the uh, Lunar Exploration Accelerator Program. This is basically a designed to get money and funding to companies and innovators startups in Canada that have good ideas that can be turned into technologies that are going to help us on the moon. Uh, and so companies, individuals, startups apply for this money and then take their technologies to, to higher and higher levels of maturation. Um, within that, one of the things that we are working on, yes, is a rover. We would we want to develop a utility rover for NASA. NASA wants this. It's a capability that they need. Um, and so we have committed, in fact, to, to developing this and it's supposed to launch within the next five years. It's it's being prototyped and designed very quickly, as you can imagine. I mean, we just announced this uh, a matter of months ago. There's two companies right now, two organizations that are developing preliminary designs. Um, and in the years to come, one will be selected and, and that rover will be built uh, and launched to the moon and, and it'll have a Canadian flag on it. So we'll have a, a rover, a Canadian rover um, roving around uh, likely the south pole of the moon doing all kinds of tasks uh, for NASA and, and the other international partners that are there. Kind of kind of cool to think about. That, that is very cool. Um, I don't know if you know this, uh, Josh, but um, the size of that rover, do you anticipate it being larger than the lunar buggy that was uh, that was on the moon uh, previously or, or I, I don't know I haven't yeah I haven't seen but I would I would hazard to say it's probably about the same it would end up being about the same size right interesting okay um, so aside from all of those things that we've discussed um, now we have uh, hopefully Artemis one launching soon uh, what will you be doing on the weekend are you involved in any way or capacity in terms of the, the launch or Will you just be watching like the rest of us and, and hoping for, for a good flight? Yeah, we, we're still trying to figure that out. So but what I'll do, I'm, there's a good chance I end up back in Florida for, for Artemis 1 Try 2, as I'm, I'm calling it. Um, for Artemis 1 Try 1, yeah, I was there. Really lucky. Got to, got to go right up and stand beside the, the rocket and, and just marvel at it. Um, I don't have a, a technical role with Artemis right now. Um, I was basically there. Uh, helping out with outreach and as an escort for the Canadian delegation. We had a, a lot of folks who were kind enough to take the time to come down um, from Canada, senior industry political leaders, uh, mm -hmm. of course, senior people from the Canadian Space Agency. Uh, Artemis One is a, is a really big deal for this country. It's the return of humanity to the moon. Uh, and we, we were the first partner, we're a prime partner, we're putting someone on Artemis too. So uh, it's a big deal. And we try to get people down there to, to see the Cape, as we call it, to see Kennedy Space Center, to see all the rockets that are there, not just Artemis One, but to see how much the space world is changing and how quickly it's changing. If you go to this place, you know, you can see SpaceX, they're building, they're, they're launching all the time. They launched when we were there. It's, it's just, they launched almost well, in fact, more than once a week now. Um, you can see them building the infrastructure to not only launch 
super or starship, but to catch the super heavy booster. Uh, like this is really real. It's it's being built there. You can see Boeing and and all their infrastructure. You can see um, uh, Blue Origin, and so what what you see and what you walk away with is an appreciation for the fact that we're really standing. I think at a at a transformational moment. I mean, if you had to go back in history, this I don't know. This might be like you know about that time in history when once or twice people had crossed the ocean and and found. The, the new world, but it was still this really crazy, really expensive, really risky thing. A lot of people died. Nobody could do it except the super rich or governments. And I think it was impossible to envision how totally different the world was going to be in just another 20, 30 years. You know, maybe 1920s, 27-ish, Lindbergh flies across the Atlantic. Same kind of thing. I don't think anybody could ever have imagined how different the world was going to be in, in only 10 years. I think we're at the same point with space as the next frontier and uh, and going to Kennedy really shows you that. Awesome. I hope to have the opportunity to come down and, and see some of that infrastructure and, and what's happening uh, at some point in time. It would be uh, an amazing experience. Um, Josh, our, our time is uh, nearing an end here, but I'd like to ask you as a final question, um, your thoughts as you know, you're a fighter pilot and, and test pilot with the Royal Canadian Air Force. And now um, the Royal Canadian Air Force has stood up three Canadian Space Division, um, mm -hmm. which which is brand new. That must make you feel proud, but it, I'd love to know if there's any interaction you have with the with the Space Division. Yeah, there, there is. And I'd, I'd love to have more. I'd love to learn more about it. I'm always trying to do that. I mean, I was with General Kenny over the weekend, who's the commander of the Royal Canadian Air Force. Um, and so I, I do try to maintain ties as close as I can with the, that side of the house, uh, as, as we would call it. You know, I, I think space, the space stuff that we're seeing develop on the defense side in Canada, is it's really just a, a recognition of how fast things are moving. It's a recognition of, of the future opportunity in space. I mean, um, unfortunately, uh, unfortunate as it is, but it's always been true that now uh, we we have to protect that which is valuable to us, um, and and the writing is on the wall now. I think that space, uh, from an economic perspective, from a, a national prosperity perspective, from our, our just our dependency right now on space, not not even to mention what our dependency is going to be in in five or ten years. Um, space is it really is the next next frontier of opportunity. Um, and so Canada is taking some steps at the Canadian Space Agency to, to position for that opportunity to make sure we're a part of these initial steps back to the moon, for example. Um, but I think that part and parcel with that is recognizing that, yeah, the defense organization has to has to change a little bit, too, um, to be able to, to operate in that environment if required and to help protect some of that stuff. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, Josh, it, this has been a great pleasure to speak with you again. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me on Go Bold. And, you know, this is number two for us. And I hope that there will be more because I think there's lots to talk about. And uh, if you're willing to come back, we'd be happy to have you. De definitely willing. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. And uh, I love to talk about it. It's an important message. So thanks for helping to get it out. 
uh, would love to do it again. Let, let's do it. Thanks. Uh, it's, it's, it's my great pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. That, my friends, was astronaut Josh Kutrick of the Canadian Space Agency. If you have any questions that you'd like us to ask Josh, please write to us at goboldthepodcast at gmail.com. And we'll, we'll ask Josh if he's willing to answer a bunch of them. In the meantime, I hope everyone has a wonderful day. Thanks, everybody. Take care. You too. Thanks so much. And I hope to, I do hope to talk to you again. Hopefully we can keep this going. Thanks, Josh. Take care of yourself. We'll look forward to chatting with you again soon. Okay. You too. Thanks so much. Okay. Thank you. Hey folks, Go Bold has a wide global audience. So even though this episode was focused on the Canadian Space Agency, we would love to hear from any companies that are developing new and emerging technologies that have application in the space and defense domain. If you'd like some global exposure for your endeavors, please write to us at goboldthepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. Please join us again for another episode of Go Bold. The views and opinions expressed in this presentation are solely those of the participants. This podcast is copyright and all rights are reserved. No portion may be reproduced or used in any manner without the express written permission of the publisher who can be reached at goboldthepodcast at gmail.com. The music on this podcast is Parasail by Silent Partner.